0: Good evening. I hope that you had a wonderful afternoon. I want to express my appreciation and my admiration for you. I really appreciate the kindness and the hospitality that's been shown me already. And I admire you as a congregation. You guys have done so much good work. I've been associated with Mike for about 20 years. We've been friends. And I've known about a lot of the things that you've been involved in in a lot of different parts of the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your work in the kingdom, for your love for the Lord, and for the many ways in which you have found ways and opportunities to serve him. And I pray that you'll continue going right on and doing those things even more as time goes on. It's been a joy to be with you. I hope and I pray that our lessons and the, the time that we spend together this week will be profitable. We're talking about living a crucified life, a crucified life. In the year 1543, a mathematician and astronomer named Nikolai Copernicus published a document. The document was called On the Revolutions of the Heavenly Spheres. And what Copernicus did was he suggested that the earth is not the center of the universe. And everybody gasped. And the Roman Catholic Church thought about excommunicating Copernicus because this was such a revolutionary idea that the the universe does not revolve around the earth. I think there are a lot of people that need a Copernican revolution in their lives, including you and me. Because when we read the Bible, one of the fundamental messages of Scripture is, this is not all about you. It's not all about me. I am not the center of the earth. I'm not the center of the universe. There's somebody else, there's something else that my life is to fall into his orbit. And we struggle sometimes to follow Jesus precisely because we start at the wrong place. Listen to what I'm saying. We think about our lives and we ask questions about ourselves first. There's nothing inherently wrong with these questions, but when we start with these questions, we've got the wrong idea. We ask questions like this. What do I want to be when I grow up, when we're younger? We ask questions like, What should I do with my life? What are my goals? What are my ambitions? What are my desires? How can I find fulfillment and happiness? How can I find peace and contentment? Where can I find more joy? And again, nothing inherently wrong with those questions except that when we're looking at our lives as if we are the center and the focal point of everything, we've got the wrong idea. Jesus came to this world and he tried to start a Copernican revolution in your life and in mine. And if we will give him permission, if we will allow him to lead us, he'll remind us, this world is not all about us. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 24, if anyone desires to come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Tonight, we're going to speak about denying ourselves. Tomorrow night, Lord willing, we're going to talk about carrying a cross. The two are not completely separated. There's a lot of overlap. But I want us to look at these expressions individually because I think there are some practical things that every single one of us can learn about what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to realize that this life and this world is not all about me. When we think about what it means to deny something, as you read Scripture, you'll find the following definitions. If you went and got a lexicon or concordance and and you wanted to find what does the word deny mean as the way Scripture uses it. In the first place, it can mean to declare something to be invalid or to be untrue. I deny that what you've said is true. In the second place, it can mean to restrain or to withhold something. So, if you're a basketball fan, somebody blocks a shot, and a lot of times somebody will say, Ooh, denied, because you tried to put the ball in the basket and somebody blocked it. You restrained what happened, what was going to happen. Then, there's this third meaning or this third definition that it means to repudiate or disown. To repudiate something or to disown someone. Not true. And you find examples of denial throughout Scripture. For example, in Genesis 18, verse 15, when Sarah was in the tent laughing, remember? And the guests that came, and and they said to Abraham, "Your, your wife is laughing, and Sarah said, I did not laugh. Oh, yes, you did. I heard you. She denied it. Here's another example of denial. In Luke chapter 22, and verse 57, Peter, as Jesus was facing the cross was accused of being associated with the Savior. And what did Peter do? He denied the Lord. I do not know him. He declared that it was not true that he knew the Lord. He disowned the Lord, if you will. There's another passage later in the New Testament. Titus chapter 1, verse 16. There are people, the Bible says, who profess to know God, but in works they deny him. So their mouths say one thing, but their lives say something completely different. Their lives deny him. And so when Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24, you're supposed to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, we ought to start thinking about what that phrase, what that term deny implies. What does it mean? It's a command that Jesus is giving to me. What does it mean to deny myself? If I can suggest this, I believe that denying ourselves boils down to this. It means that we express in concrete, tangible, practical ways that we recognize our lives are not about us. They're about him. That's what denying ourselves really boils down to. I'm recognizing in concrete and I'm expressing in practical, tangible ways that this world is not my home, that my life is really not about me. It's about him. Denying myself. And it would be one thing if we could just deny ourselves, Matthew 16, 24, when I become a Christian, when I become a disciple. I deny myself, none of self and all of thee. That's what I want. That's what I desire. And if we could just do that one grand gesture and then forget about it, that would be one thing. But brothers and sisters and friends, I don't think that's the way that Christianity, that discipleship works. Rather, self-denial has got to be a part of our everyday experience in walking with the Lord. It's got to be something that we think about. It's got to be something that we pray about. It's got to be something that we strive for. Because it's a way in which we become more like Jesus. Denying ourselves, taking up our crosses, and following him. When we think about denial, here's a concept to keep in mind. To deny myself, in Matthew 16, verse 23... Jesus tells Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. I'd like to suggest to you tonight, as we make this practical, that there are two me's. Two me's. What do you mean, Brother John? Here's what I mean. I mean that there is, as we just sang about, none of self and all of thee, there is the version of me that wants the things that I want. I have preferences, I have likes, I have desires, I have things that I long for, I have things that I seek after. The me that wants what I want. On the other hand, there is also this. The me that wants what God wants. As a disciple, as a follower of Jesus Christ, there is a part of me that wants the very same things that God wants. And when I think about self-denial, consider this. Sometimes, the me that wants what I want wants the very same things that God wants. Sometimes, the me that wants what I want wants the things that God wants. When that happens, everything's great. Discipleship, following Jesus, smooth and easy, if you will. But what about the times in my life where the me that wants what I want wants something very different than what God wants? What do you do then? Self-denial is saying no to the me that wants what I want. It's saying yes to the me that wants what God wants. I'll show you biblically how this works. As you think about self-denial, what I'd like for us to do tonight is have five points in our lesson. We're first of all going to talk about some areas, some areas of our lives in which we need to think about the me that wants what I want and the me that wants what God wants. Then we're going to look at a model Did you know that Jesus Christ is a model of self-denial and the Bible indicates such? We're going to talk next about some disciplines that we can pursue in our lives as we seek to deny ourselves and take up our crosses and follow Jesus. Because in pursuing self-denial, we can become more like our Savior. By saying no to the me that wants what I want, saying yes to the me that wants what God wants. We're going to talk then about some questions to reflect upon and some blessings finally. Finally that God has in store for those who deny themselves. In the first place this evening, I'd like for us to spend some time talking about some areas. Areas to consider in which self-denial is something that God wants us to practice. I believe all of us, if I were just to give out a poll or ask ask for a show of hands and comments, all of us would start with this. We certainly ought to practice self-denial when it comes to resisting sin. There is an appeal and there is an attractiveness to sin. It is something that is pleasurable for a season, the Bible says. And it is something that if it were repulsive and, and constantly um, presented to us in a way that wasn't appealing, we wouldn't have any temptation. The Bible speaks about Moses in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, how Moses resisted the passing pleasures of sin. There is pleasure, there is joy, there is fun in sin for a season. And sometimes the me that wants what I want, want. Wants to sin. I need to deny myself. I need to do what God desires. In James chapter four verses seven and eight, the Bible speaks about how Christians are to resist the devil. You know, one time there was a man who was visiting with a preacher, and he said, "You know, you know, preacher, I th- this sin just takes over. It just it just eats up my life, and I just constantly am, am doing these things, and I know they're wrong, and, and I'm, I'm just I'm just frustrated." The preacher asked him a question. He said, I understand that you're, that you're giving into sin an awful lot. My question for you is, are you putting up any kind of a fight? The man had to humble himself and say, you know what, I'm really not. There is something to be said for resisting the devil, resisting sin, putting it away. But then there's other areas in which self-denial becomes practical in our lives. How about yielding to others? Did you know that as Christians we are never, ever, ever going to have unity unless we deny ourselves? It'll never happen. We can have the seven ones of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. We can pray the prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17, verses 20 through 22. We can preach about Paul's appeal to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. But if brethren are not willing to deny themselves, to say no to what I want and to say yes to what God wants, if we're not willing to practice lowliness of mind and humility and kindness and tenderheartedness toward one another, we will never have the kind of unity that Jesus died To create. The unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3. Self-denial is essential for getting along with my brethren in the Lord. By the way, self-denial is essential for getting along with your spouse in marriage. Sometimes the me that wants what I want doesn't want the same things that God wants in my marriage. Self-denial is essential. Self-denial is essential in getting along with my family members and my friends and my loved ones yielding to others james said it this way in james chapter 4 verse 17 or james chapter 3 verse 17 he said the wisdom that is from above is pure and peaceable and gentle and reasonable and full of mercy and good fruits and unwavering and without hypocrisy that's the kind of wisdom that gets along with others and doesn't constantly start fights and doesn't constantly enter into contention and controversy i need to deny myself when it comes to yielding to others And then there's this, when I think about denying myself, yielding to God. In James chapter 4, verses 15 through 17, James reminded his brethren that your life is like a vapor, it appears for a little while and then vanishes away, remember? And then James says, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and also do this or that, James 4, 15. If the Lord wills, if it's what he wants, then I'll fulfill my plans. Self-denial. That's what James 4, verses 13 through 17, has to do with. It has to do with recognizing that God is in control of time. God is in control of my future. And when I make plans and I leave God out, I am arrogant and I am boasting. That's what James says. We're guilty of sin when we make a bunch of plans and we have all kinds of things on our Google calendar and we forget and we fail to say, if the Lord wills, we shall do these things. When I read the book of Acts in Acts chapter six, verses, Acts chapter sixteen, verses six through ten, the apostles were striving to go to Asia, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit forbade them. And then they tried to go to Bithynia, and the Bible says the Spirit of Jesus forbade them. They really, really wanted the me that wants what I want wanted to go to Asia and preach the gospel. Wanted to go to Bithynia and preach the gospel. What God wanted was something different. What's needed at that point? Self denial. Do you see? Resisting sin, yielding to others, and ultimately yielding to God and to his will. Those are some areas in which all of us ought to give some uh, some intentive thought to self-denial. Second this evening, let's consider this. There is a model to appreciate. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 26. And look, if you would, at the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39, Jesus was going to the cross. He says to you and me, take up your cross and follow me. We need to watch how Jesus went to the cross. We need to watch his attitudes, and we need to watch the fact that even Jesus denied himself. Matthew 26, verse 39, watch this. He leaves his apostles in the garden, and he says, I'm going over here to pray. And the Bible says in verse 39, he went a little farther and fell on his face, and he prayed, saying... Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Now, what does that mean? Let this cup pass from me. Jesus is speaking about the cup of God's wrath. He's speaking about the cross. And he's looking at what's about to happen. And he's realizing the implications and the pain and the difficulty that it's going to present. And he's asking in prayer, Father, if it's possible, the me that wants what I want, let this cup pass from me. If, it's either, if there's any way to save people, if there's any way to accomplish your plan apart from this, may that happen. Then he goes on and continues his prayer in verse 39. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What's Jesus doing? He is denying himself. The me that wants what I want, let this cup pass from me. The me that wants what God wants. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so as you look at the model of Jesus Christ, he shows us how we can deny ourselves. He acknowledged his desire. He prayed about it. God, if it's possible, let this happen. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Turn to another passage as we think about the model. Turn to the passage that was read in our scripture reading just a moment ago in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And look, if you would, at verses 7 through 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. Focus especially on verse 8. The apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh. I don't know what his thorn in the flesh was. If you know, please see me at the back after services because I'd really like to know. I'd really love to understand more about this thorn in the flesh. I think the Bible doesn't tell us for. A lot of reasons. But whatever this thorn in the flesh was, it was hindering Paul in his ministry. All Paul wanted with his life was to serve God. All he wanted was to do God's will. All he wanted was to save souls and to bring souls to Jesus. And this thorn was in his way. It was slowing him down. It was causing him difficulty. And so Paul, the Bible says, prayed. He prayed three times to the Lord that it might depart from him. And so Paul takes inventory of what he wants. The me that wants what I want. I want this thorn to be removed. But God spoke to him, the Bible says, and said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. The me that wants what God wants. And Paul goes on to say in that passage, if you're looking at it, he says, therefore, I am content. I am fine with the thorn in my flesh, with weakness and all kinds of things, because when I am weak, then I am strong. What did Paul do? Instead of getting angry with the Lord for not removing his thorn in the flesh, instead of saying, well, that's it, I'm through, I'm walking out, I'm not going to follow you anymore, Jesus, instead of doing those things, what did Paul do? He denied himself, and he continued to serve the Lord, realizing that God's strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul acknowledged his desire. Paul prayed about his desire. And Paul willingly accepted God's answer to his prayer. Self-denial. The me that wants what I want, the me that wants what God wants. You know, we sang the song, Some of self, all of thee, none of self, all of thee, a moment ago. I appreciate that song. Tremendous sentiment. But as I live my life, yes, none of self, all of thee. That's what I want more than anything else. But on a daily basis, day in, day out, I struggle with that, don't you? I struggle with the me that wants what I want. I struggle to deny myself. And I struggle to do what I know God wants me to do. Struggle with those things. And so, third, this evening, as we've looked at these models, Paul and Jesus, let's think about some disciplines for all of us to pursue as Christians. Disciplines to pursue. You and I... Can think about self denial in a lot of different areas of our lives, and we can pursue self denial if we'll think about it. Number one, disciplines to pursue. I need to, as a Christian, recognize God's posture toward His children. What do you mean by that, John? I mean that when you think about what God says about his children, God promises that he loves us, that he cares about us, and that he wants more than anything to bless our lives. He wants a relationship with us. And yes, Jesus said, deny yourself and take up your cross. And yes, Jesus talked about discipleship being a crucified life. Yes, those things are true. But we never should forget passages like these. Matthew 7, verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Ask, seek, knock. You have a Father who loves you, who cares about you, and the me that wants what I want, we're not talking about sinful things here, we're talking about things that are matters of my life, matters of great importance to me, Matters of concern to me. The me that wants what I want needs to think about the posture of God towards his children. Think about this passage, Romans 8, 31 and 32. Paul writes, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Look at that last expression again and consider its implication. If God already gave us Jesus Christ, the greatest gift that he has ever bestowed upon anyone, the only gift that he's ever given people that he did not create, Jesus is not created. He's always existed. And if God would deliver him up for us, if God would bless us with that great gift, then it's a much smaller thing for God to freely give us all things that help us to become more like Christ. What does God want? God wants to bless his people. And when I think about self-denial, I need to think about his posture toward his children. God wants to bless his people. Did God want to bless his son, Jesus Christ, as he prayed in the garden? Absolutely. Did God want to bless Paul as he prayed about his thorn in the flesh? Absolutely. That's God's posture toward his children. Discipline number two. Take inventory of the things that you want and ask for them. Sometimes our prayers are kind of shallow. Sometimes our prayers are kind of rote. Sometimes our prayers are pretty thoughtless. I'm just saying the same things I say every day. I'm just asking for the same things I always ask for, and I'm really not being all that thoughtful or specific about what I'm asking from God. Self denial. When was the last time you took inventory of the things that you really want? The things that only God can provide. The things that only God can do. When was the last time you recognized how much you depend on him and you prayed about those things and you said, God, I really, really want this because it'll help me to be more like Christ. It'll help me to be more effective in your kingdom. It'll help me as I strive to follow him. God, I really, really want this. Take inventory of the things that you want and ask for them. That's exactly what Jesus did in the garden, isn't it? Let this cup pass from me. He knew exactly what he wanted. And notice the way Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed specifically. Philippians 4 verse 6 tells us that we ought to be anxious in nothing but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. The Bible says that Jesus prayed fervently. You think he meant it? I wonder if God could speak to us in the midst of our prayers, if he could speak miraculously. I wonder if sometimes he would say, you really need to think about what you're saying to me. We really ought to give some thought to whether our prayers are fervent, whether we really mean them, whether our hearts are really in it. James chapter 5, verse 16, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Do you really mean what you're asking him for? And then the Lord asked repeatedly, if you're still looking at Matthew 26, he prayed the same prayer in verse 39 and verse 42 and verse 44. Paul said he did the same thing. He asked three times of the Lord. Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to faint, not to grow weary, Luke chapter 18, verse 1. He told parables about the friend at midnight, for example, in Luke chapter 11. He said there was a friend who was asleep in the middle of the night and his friend came and kept knocking on the door, kept knocking on the door, and because of his persistence, his friend got up out of bed and gave him what he requested. Jesus says when you pray, you ought to pray like that. Not because God doesn't hear, not because God doesn't want to bless, but oftentimes because God wants us to realize just how much we depend on Him. God knows what we need. Make a list, take inventory of the things that you want and ask for them. And then third, discipline to pursue, say. God, not my will, but yours be done. This is not acquiescence in saying God's not going to answer my prayer. This is me saying I deny myself. God, I trust you. I believe you. I know that you're going to give good gifts to those who ask. I know that your posture toward me. I know that that's the kind of God you are. I deny myself. Not my will, but yours be done. Sometimes, what I want and what God wants align. Sometimes what I want and what God wants are different. Self denial happens when I want something different than what God wants. Your will be done. That's what self denial does. Your will be done. I can put away sin with that kind of discipline. I can recognize that what I want is wrong, and I'm going to do what God wants. I can yield to others with that kind of discipline. I can recognize that what's good for the church is not always what's best for me personally, and that's okay. Because if my brethren can be blessed and if the church can be edified and strengthened, I don't have to have my way. And I can walk humbly with my God with that kind of discipline. Self-denial. Saying no to self. Saying yes to Him. Number, Number four this evening. As you think about denying yourself here are some questions to contemplate for all of us questions to contemplate number one do I think about what God desires is that something that ever crosses my mind Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 Paul was praying for his brethren that apparently he'd never met he'd never been to Colossae as far as we know and one of the things that Paul prayed for the brethren in Colossae was that they might have a knowledge of God's will and that they might fully please Him. How often do I think in my life what fully pleases God? When I wake up in the morning and I'm going through my daily routine, thinking about what fully pleases God. When I'm making plans and setting goals, do I think about what God desires? The me that wants what I want. The me that wants what God wants. Do I think about that? Second question. Do I pray fervently for the things that I need? It might humble us if we could see a record of our prayers. If we could see a record of the last time we really seriously prayed to the Lord and asked Him for things. It might humble us to stop and contemplate what our prayer life is really like. You know? if we really believe that we're disciples of Jesus Christ, if we really believe that we have a relationship with God, shouldn't our prayer life demonstrate that? Question number three. Do I regularly acknowledge that God may have different plans? It does not mean that God is trying to hold out on me or withhold something from me that I need. It means that God's plans may well be different than mine. Think about those apostles wanting to go all they wanted to do is preach the gospel in Asia. God had different plans. How about you and me? We set goals and we set plans and we have dreams. Do we ever acknowledge that God's may be different than ours? Number four, question: Do I strive to obey God even when it's difficult? You know what Jesus said back there in Matthew 16 verse 24, "If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself? take up his cross, and follow me? When Jesus said that, what he's saying is sometimes the me that wants what I want is going to have to take a back seat to the me that wants what God wants. And that's going to be difficult. That's going to be painful. That's going to be hard. That's going to be challenging. That's what it means, brothers and sisters and friends, at least in part, to live a crucified life. It means that I'm seeking God's will in all that I do, in all that I say, in all that I am. Number five this evening. When a person begins to deny himself or herself, there are some blessings that attend that kind of lifestyle. Some blessings that attend that kind of lifestyle. Blessing number one, Christ-likeness. Oh, my Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but your will be done. You want to be like Jesus? Start denying yourself. Start saying no to the me that wants what I want. And say yes to the me that wants what God wants. In 1 Peter 2, verses 21 and 22, Peter had just gotten through talking about slaves and masters. And he said, "Slaves." Because you're Christians now, you be obedient to your masters and submissive to them in all things. And even if they mistreat you, you keep right on acting the way Jesus would act if he were in your shoes. And then he says, For Christ has left us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. He denied himself, Peter says, and you can follow in his footsteps and deny yourself. He was without sin. And he showed us the way, Christ's likeness. I'm convinced, brothers and sisters and friends, that we don't become more like Jesus without putting some effort. That's not to say that it's all of us. That's not to say that God won't help us. It's not to say that God's grace and his mercy and his compassion are not available to us. But I'm saying, if we don't ever intend to become more like the master, it's not going to happen. Saying no to the me that wants what I want. Blessing number two flexibility and contentment. Wouldn't it be nice if more people had more of that? But especially as Christians. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, the Apostle Paul was writing a thank you note to the church at Philippi. They had sent him some help, but he was in prison, and he said, thank you for what you've given me, but I want you to know that I was okay. He says, I've learned to be abased, and I've learned to abound. I've learned to do with little, I've learned to do with a lot. I've have learned, in whatever state I'm in, to be content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he says. What was Paul demonstrating in that passage? Paul was demonstrating flexibility. I can go through any situation with Jesus. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. And I can be content in any circumstance. I appreciate that you guys support Rod Kyle missionary in New Zealand, Solomon Islands. I actually had lunch with Rod last Friday. He was in Katy. Got to visit with Rod about his adventures with Terry Pafford and got to visit about you know some, some pretty harrowing tales and things like that. And one of the things that I kept thinking about was, here's a man who is flexible. Here's a man who is content as long as he's serving his Lord. He knows what it means to deny himself. You and I could learn a lot from people like that. Blessing number three. Ability to serve joyfully. The ability to serve joyfully. When you go to Chick-fil-A and you say thank you, what do they say? My pleasure. My family rolls their eyes at me because I always say thank you five or six times at Chick-fil-A just to hear them say my pleasure. You know... When we deny ourselves, when we say no to the me that wants what I want, we say yes to the me that wants what God wants, we can genuinely serve and we can genuinely say, my pleasure, because this is what God wants. I'm joyful about serving. Jesus took a towel and wrapped it around his waist and got down on his hands and knees and washed the dirty feet of apostles because he knew what it was like to deny himself. And then this, number four. When I learn the discipline of self-denial, when this is something that I'm doing repeatedly in my life, it helps me to trust in God's goodness more. The goodness, the kindness, the loving kindness and mercy of God, which leads us to repentance. Romans chapter 2 verse 4. Brothers and sisters and friends, we may not get everything we want in this life, but really this life is not about us. The world does not revolve around us. We will have everything we need so that God can make us and shape us and mold us to be more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. Self-denial helps us to see that and to appreciate that much more clearly. And so my challenge for you this evening is this. I want you to not think of self-denial as maybe just one grand gesture. Jesus said... Whoever gives his life for his friends, greater love hath no man than that. John 15, verse 13. That's one grand gesture, but rather what I believe the Christian life is about is about walking with Jesus day by day. And it's about taking an assessment and inventory of my life and realizing there are some things that I've been wanting a lot and I've not been thinking about what God wants, but the me that wants what God wants is going to win out. None of self and all of thee. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to praise him. And it starts... Was saying no to me. Thank you for your kind attention this evening. Get the songbook and open it if, if, if you want to. The song that was announced, you guys use paperless hymnal so you don't have to do that. We don't have paperless hymnal back at Katie, so I can say that. We're going to offer heaven's invitation at this time. If you need to respond, if you want to become a New Testament Christian, believe in Jesus Christ, repent of your sin, confess his name, be baptized for remission of sins, deny yourself take up your cross and follow him. We're willing to help you with that decision this evening if that's your choice. If you want to respond and ask for prayers, whatever you need, won't you come while together we stand and while we sing.